0: Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll like, never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try and that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Will your parents' arms too? The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations. That really turned out well. I wish I thought of that. I never thought of anyone's best. How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here. I wish I had the courage to follow my train. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. We are broadcasting live on WLCB 101.5 FM from the greater Chicago, Milwaukee area. I am your host, Doris Nagel. And why am I here? Because. I'm a crazy entrepreneur myself, and I love helping other entrepreneurs. I've counseled many startups and small businesses as part of my law and consulting practice, and I've also started or helped start at least nine different startups. Candidly, with varying degrees of success, I have made, quite candidly, a lot of mistakes along the way, and my passion is to share what I've learned and find other experts and entrepreneurs to share their advice and their insights. So the goals of the show are to inform, but also to inspire. As always, I welcome your comments, your questions, and suggestions. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, you have an issue or a challenge, you want to be a guest, or just want to share a great resource, email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at lakesradio.org. I promise you the show will be better for your input. And now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. Joining me by phone all the way from England is Fred Copestake. Fred is the founder and principal consultant at a company he calls Brindis. He's an experienced sales leadership and performance trainer and consultant and has had his own business doing that for 20 years. So he knows something about how to make that work. He has degrees in commerce and Spanish. He lived for a year in Spain and is fluent in Spanish. He's also a big sports fan and in particular loves his rugby. He has a wonderful sense of humor, and I think it will come through in in our discussion, and a unique ability to convey complex concepts through presentations and through interactive training and exercises to really help his clients truly understand and apply what they're learning through working with Fred. So with that, Fred, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: No, oh, Doris, thank you for inviting me. I uh, I wondered who you were introducing then at one stage, to be fair. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll absolutely take that. <laughs> it's really and, nice of you.
0: And so you should. So Fred, I I think the Natural place to start is to tell the listeners a little bit about your business. What exactly does Brenda's do, and and how do you do it there?
1: Okay, so as you've said, it is a it's a sales performance consultancy. Um, It's all about helping our clients get the get the results that they want. We deliver this in sort of three ways, which which do end up getting overlapped. We talk about training, coaching, and consultancy. They're all slightly different, uh, but they all can contribute to that to that end result. How do we go about it? I mean, really, it's by understanding, essentially, it's by understanding what, what the client wants, what are they trying to achieve, and then putting together the stuff that's going to make that happen for them. As I say, a mixture of those, of those elements.
0: So why did you decide to create this business? I mean, there are lots of consulting firms bigger consulting firms big training firms why did you start your own firm
1: um essentially it was through a really brilliant opportunity that i had i was working full-time for a training company and we had a client a client called euro cermex they were the european or the emir subsidiary of grouper Modelo, you know the mexican brewer All right. um and we'd uh, we'd done We've done a couple of pieces of work for them. We started off with a conference. We ended up doing some work in Germany, Italy, back here in the UK. And um we proposed that they should run a sales academy. They looked at the idea, they thought it was great, and they realized that they wouldn't be able to do it through the training company that I was working for. Uh they turned around but, to me well, and said, what, I, So
0: so why not though?
1: They they were looking at cost. You know, we were we were coming in at sort of full full rate consultancy fees. And the amount of work that that they would need to do, because really it was about running a number of courses and a number of interactions to get the hearts and minds of their distributors. They just looked at it and said, you know, we we we've not budgeted for that. Uh, but they said, you know, maybe there's a clever way of doing this. Um, would you like to come and work for us to do that? Uh, it's put me in an interesting position. <laughs> um, I spoke immediately to the to the MD of the company I was with. He said. Thought, I'm glad you came to, to me. It was, it was the right thing to do. He said, if any other client, we'd say no. He said, but with these guys, you're probably the only one that really gets them anyway. Uh, they spend a lot of their time speaking Spanish. They do things in odd ways. You don't get flustered by it. What would you like to do? And I said, well, you know, I'd love the chance to go and do that. It sounds, it sounds really interesting. Sounds a lot of fun. It does. Um, yeah. And, and it was in the end. But the way that we ended up setting up was that it was actually better for me to work for them as a consultant. Rather than be a full-time employee, to do with the fact that their headquarters were Belgium, I was living in UK, and so that's where I set up my own my own company. And 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 yeah, you know, it's kind of luck, I guess. And it, and it was fantastic because they didn't actually take all of my time, and so I ended up carrying on working for the for the company that I'd essentially left. <laughs> so it was I was absolutely having a cake and eating it. It was uh, it was brilliant fun.
0: Well, I think so, I think your yeah, all your good. You're a good example of how I think many consultants and trainers, coaches start out with a significant anchor client, which is exactly what you had. In fact, you had two anchor clients to start out with, which is, you're right, that's a, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to launch your own business, right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, Carpe Diem, I, I, I really did that. And, you know, I'm really thankful for the guys there. But but both both at EuroCermex and, and the guys at Structured Training for, for letting me do, you know, what, what really was the right thing at the time. So,
0: you know. So I have to ask, how did you come up with the name Brenda's?
1: Well, first thing, I wanted to have a company name. I didn't want to just be Fred Cope Steak Associates or something like that. A name is far more scalable, and you know that would, had always been the the um, we are, even then would have been the ambition or was the ambition. Brindis is the Spanish for toast, not not the <laughs> toast that you put, no, no, not not butter and jam, um, but toast as in chin chin raising glasses. And because ah, of the sort of connections right. with the drinks industry and everything, it just kind of made sense. So yeah, that's where it comes ah,
0: from. <laughs> so it's kind of like cheers. It's cheers,
1: absolutely, it's cheers. Um, Umbrindis is a toast, so it's, you know, chinking glasses and saying cheers.
0: Well, it has a nice kind of happy, upbeat kind of sound to it, too, which is great, because when you have a trainer come in, we've all been through training courses that are just deathly dreary, and so I think it's a nice way of conveying your sense of humor and sense of fun that you bring. So, fair disclosure to our listeners, I've known Fred for quite a while, and know him fairly well. So I can say that about him, which I wouldn't be able to do about a lot of my guests that come on the show.
1: That's very kind of you, Doris. Thank you again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what's a typical project for you look like today?
1: So when I'm looking at projects, I sort of think in a couple of dimensions. And a project will tend to, in my mind, be either tactical or strategic. A tactical project is where somebody comes along and says, can you do me something on i don't know negotiation say and we uh, end up talking and and what they we make sure it is negotiation that they actually require uh, that that's a good one where actually we sometimes find it's selling the need before to get to negotiation but it's something that ends up in a couple of days training and that's great you know it's going to be better than nothing a more strategic project it involves more to get to the results that people require it's a more robust solid approach and so it'll it'll mix up those those consultancy and coaching elements as well as the training the the, the footprint if you like of the perfect project for me is one that would involve an element of of research so it's understanding what the guys are doing what they want to be doing you know what does good look like where where do they actually want to be it would then involve an element of the design of putting the right elements into the interventions before having some kind of management kickoff to show that they're absolutely behind what we're trying to do and then space out a number of classroom training sessions because I work so much with salespeople, they need classroom it's, it's kind of how they're, how they're built in between those then what we would want to do would be have some coaching so some more one-to-one elements and the coaching would tend to be around how they're applying the learning from the last sessions
0: Ah. If,
1: so if we can then pick a project for each of them and so it might be a key account it might be something that you know they're they're trying to achieve we can apply the new stuff right into the project they're working on so that by the time we've completed the sort of the whole of the cycle I like to finish with a with a presentation where the guys talk to senior management about what they've learned but equally we should start to be seeing the rewards of applying the new learning into the project and we can say look guys there's your return on investment. <laughs> that's what the training has helped you break, and that's only focusing on one project each. The guys should right. be looking at looking at many more. That's that's the perfect but, scenario. That's 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 the best.
0: <laughs> it is, and I think having been a consultant slash coach myself for a number of years, I think you touched on what I think at least is one of the biggest challenges in the whole industry, which is. You find a client and they think they need customer negotiation training but perhaps they need something else and what they think they need is not what you in your years of experience know they really need to deliver results how do you how do you deal with that frequent dilemma
1: um it's i mean partly it, it is relying on the experience and sort of saying i've not I'm not just set up overnight. I've been doing this for a long time. The stuff that you're saying, I, I want I want to challenge you. Know, I want to question more and really understand what it is that you're doing. So you know, I'm a sales trainer. I should practice what I preach and, and apply a robust sales process. So it's 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 doing that and, and really helping people to understand for themselves that they might well be be asking for the wrong thing. So even if I can see it straight away, I have to go through that process to help them understand. And to be fair, that's exactly what we would be training salespeople to do. I, even if I don't see it, I would still go through the process to make sure that we are, we are trying to tackle the, uh, the, the right issues to get them to where they want to be.
0: Well, that, I think, leads into another question, which I think you've kind of alluded to, which is what your ideal client looks like. What makes a really good client for you?
1: big training budget <laughs> no okay <laughs> no um, what's what's the profile so for me it would be a company that has got lots of salespeople ideally international Brindis does work all over the world uh, we've actually worked in 36 different countries um, oh I got my back goodness. From, yeah I got back from Azerbaijan last week and uh, so that made number 36
0: Oh, we, could pro- we could probably talk an hour about your experience there I'm sure that was really fascinating
1: easily yeah yeah, it was it was very interesting but now if we say lots of salespeople it's international and where I where I think I get the best results where, where I know we get the best results is that when we've got people who've got a really solid a really good offering the stuff they're selling is excellent but probably from more of a technical background because that what happens is the salespeople will then tend to come from that same technical background They'll be great at talking about that. And so what they'll tend to do is seek out people like themselves or other technical people and they'll talk for hours and end about what that is. <laughs> Missing out on, well, yeah, and do a good job with it. And that is a part and parcel of how to sell those more complex, complex solutions. However, there will be other people in the decision-making unit, and that's where they will tend to be more uncomfortable or just not able, not know how to address them and to sort of deliver the things that are going to be of value and of interest to these to these different to these different buyers, and that that's where we we can make an immense difference.
0: And I I think that's a very common problem among startup companies in general. People are they have an idea a concept they're quite good at the technical aspects of it, and I'm thinking in particular software startup companies, small tech companies are often full of people who really understand coding and the apps they've developed or their their idea but really lacking in sales skills and I, I think that's that's a pretty common thing among a lot of small companies
1: it, it is and, and and sometimes sales can can almost be considered a bit of a dirty word um you know <laughs> right.
0: so, exactly
1: yeah it is that and
0: you picture your I use car salespersons like, ew, I don't want that. They don't want me to sell them.
1: Precisely. So quite often it's just starting off, shifting that mindset and getting people to understand it's a profession. There's process involved in it. You know, there's things we can do time and time again to help ourselves be more successful and help your customers by doing that thing. Once people get that, it then makes the rest of the training so much easier. So I would always, in that scenario, invest time up front To help them get it you know it's it certainly has an impact later on
0: well i think you alluded to something else though in your profile of the ideal client which is buy-in from a pretty senior person or ideally the entire management team i've seen a lot of initiatives fail because that just wasn't in place
1: absolutely yeah so very often you know we will talk about decision making units I actually ban people from saying the word decision maker because I'll say there isn't one. It's made from a bunch of people who you have to satisfy each of each of their needs, each of their wants. When you've done that, that's when you get a consensus. There might be somebody who ultimately signs it off. And this is where a naive salesperson gets it wrong because they put all their effort into that person. Who could well be standing back and saying, well, I don't really care. As long as he's happy, she's happy, and he's happy, then I'm happy. I'll just sign the check. Don't tell me about all this stuff that you do because I'm not bothered. So it's, again, sometimes readjusting people and giving them structure in how to approach all those different different influences that, uh, that are going on.
0: Well, that's an interesting point as well. So sometimes in the sales process, I'm guessing you need to help coach your contact or maybe even actively help them sell the project within their organization
1: <laughs> we uh so in, in the way we actually train that we get people to identify the different buying like different buyers different buying motives but we say look we want to find out the person who is your coach i use that language um, some some people call it a sponsor. I sometimes call it that, but it's it is that person who's going to help you navigate the organisation, understand who's who, go into bat for you, and really help you move things forward faster. You know, it's, it's your guy on the inside, if you like, um, and it's a very deliberate, you know, unconscious sales strategy to try to identify who that is.
0: Mm. Well, it must help to be a sales consultant because you know how to help, how to best help yourself sell. The projects to your clients which is which is for any kind of a a professional service business i think is a real it's a real art form
1: it is and sometimes uh sometimes it's the it's the principle of cobbler shoes so
0: (laughs) what does that that mean
1: well you know if you look at a cobbler shoes are they as good as all of their clients Ah. maybe not because they spend the time you know making their their, their customer shoes great and don't always apply the stuff at home so you know um, do we always do exactly as we say we do you know maybe sometimes not and I do sometimes catch myself doing stuff or thinking stuff and saying Fred what would you say to one of your clients if they were doing (laughs) this or or not doing this as the case may be
0: right right
1: it's sort of embarrassing, but it's only me who's being embarrassed, so it's OK. Well, no, I
0: mean, I, I think it's I think it's pretty endemic to any kind of an entrepreneurial business because you have to wear a lot of different hats. And frankly, most of us aren't good at all of those hats or even if we're pretty good at there's some we're a lot better at than others. So it's um it's often a challenge, I think, for. Certainly, solopreneurs or very small companies—it's—it's it's a challenge to manage yourself because that's really what you need to do. Because you're the boss, you're the boss of you.
1: Dead right. Yeah. Um, and when, you know, when in my case, you know, I'm selling my own time. That time, you know, that day away, that two days, three days training away, I've got to have my focus on the client. You know, that's what they're paying me for. That's where I'm going to get my results. So, so yeah, you know, time goes very, very quickly. <laughs>
0: and time is your most precious commodity. That's true, I think, of most business people. You've alluded to and, and talked about the ideal client. Are there clients you kind of steer away from? I, I'll just tell you from my personal experience, my, my own confession is one of the biggest mistakes I made was not profiling the clients that I didn't want to work with or that weren't a good fit so that I didn't waste a lot of time with them.
1: Yeah, there is. And it's massively ironic in that the ones that I would tend to steer clear clear of are, are SMEs. I am one myself, but I don't really want to work with SME. A couple of reasons behind this. Uh, so SME, I think you use the same language, small and medium? Yeah enterprises Small
0: but,
1: mean of um, enterprise, right yeah so same thing um why okay so it's to it's to do with my specialization so yeah i'm all about b2b sales yes an sme could be but it tends to be more of the corporate sale the, the bigger sale the more complex the more sophisticated you know with those bigger sales teams and rolling stuff out sort of across countries and sort of across different different regions whatever what, what i've also found is and you know let's think about why we do this stuff we do it cause we like it yes but we want to be paid and smes won't always necessarily have the budget or the ability to be able to fund the training that, that, they, that they might need so it's you know it's, it's a bit brutal but it's, it's realistic you know and, and and that's again the the training that we give to sales people it's go after the type of account that you're that are interesting to you and that are going to be interested in you and and try to get that match. If you don't, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. So, right. I wouldn't I wouldn't spend a lot of time promoting into that area.
0: Well, I I think it's important. It's you don't have to justify it. Obviously, it's every business has a niche and knows what they are good at. They may not be able yet to articulate it, but I think being able to sort that out and being clear about that is is really important. So. There's nothing wrong with it. What what I would observe, though, is that I think selling into bigger organizations often requires a different skill set and is sometimes more challenging than selling to small companies. Can you talk a little bit about your sales process and how you navigate some of those challenges?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, there's there's two ways I kind of two main ways I get business so we will operate as an associate with bigger training companies so sort of like a subcontractor if you like people will come along and say hey you can do this stuff we've got this client will you come in and do whatever it is yes it's usually the answer not always actually but normally because they know me they know sort of how we do stuff and would tend to pick us because of that then there is more of the the sort of the direct sale i have to do myself which will tend to be through through networking really um that's always the the best means of getting the introductions Um, and by that i don't necessarily mean networking events i mean it's working with people and then asking them who they might know who would appreciate a similar kind of service and can they sort of make the introductions or at least point me in the right direction Mm-hmm. Um, keeping track of guys I work with where they've gone you know if they're moving and uh, moving around another way to to do that and then 2020 you know, this is this is very much about hopefully a whole new phase of marketing for me where I'm, I'm trying to do something a little bit different to what I've to what I've previously done and hopefully we'll be able to tell you this time next year on <laughs> how, how well that's uh how well that's worked or not
0: so talk a little bit about what your goals are this year for your business and how you are pivoting.
1: Okay, so the offer stays the same. You know, it's training, it's coaching, it's consultancy. But it's it's how I market it is gonna become is going to become different. I'm currently writing a book slightly behind schedule but you know it's it's nearly done uh, the publishers
0: thought, aren't we all behind aren't we all wanting to write a book and aren't we all behind schedule so
1: yeah you know so that's why i thought i'd share that yeah <laughs> everyone's nodding and saying yeah, yeah yeah no but it's it's that will give me a platform to to promote from uh when it comes a level of authority hopefully um, or more authority if you like but by having a slightly different spin in the way that sales can be done give me something a little bit different to talk about it means that i can make probably more direct approaches by identifying you know i have identified the type of company i want to work with and say look i've looked at you guys i think i understand how you're selling here is a way that you should be considering It's, it's kind of like an expensive business card i guess
0: so tell us a little bit about this book sounds exciting
1: yeah, well, you know, as you know, we, we talk a lot about partnering and partnering skills and just as salespeople, salespeople need IQ. Of course, they do. They need to have a logic and a, a rational rationale in what they do. They also need to have good EQ or emotional intelligence um, to be able to sort of not only recognize their own their own feelings, their own thoughts and adapt to them, but also others. So that they can do the sort of the, the interpersonal side of the business. But as we see a shift in sales, it is becoming far more collaborative. So whether you're in actually a, a partnership, um, you know a formal business alliance, or whether it's it's more of a traditional direct sale, the whole process and the things that salespeople do and the ones that are most successful is becoming more collaborative. People are working together more than probably ever. So there are a set of there are a set of skills um, PQ or partnering intelligence that help people focus in on what can they do to apply that mindset. To then make sure that the sales skills that they've got, you know, they, they currently apply can be done even better. And so it's it's bringing that element, the partnering skills element, together with the more traditional stuff which people are doing <laughs> or not doing, as the case may be, uh, which is also an interesting part of the project. And then bring it together through a process which helps them meld the two together and and be more effective as, as the world of sales is, is developing, as is as the world in general.
0: So is that what they call solution selling or is that similar to solution selling or an outgrowth of it, maybe?
1: Yeah, solution selling is an element of it. So there's so many words which people bandy around (laughs) and people understand as different things. I tend to talk around classic selling. So classic selling is more of a simple process, which is making sure that you ask questions before you tell somebody anything. If you're not at least doing that, you're not selling, in my humble opinion, as you progress in complexity and value, then you would get into the more consultative or solution selling. I, I'm happy with those words to be interchanged, which is more about how you, how you ask questions, or how you work with a client to help them really understand what it is they're doing or not doing and the, the potential impacts of that. This can lead on even further to in complexity and value to, again, I, I would term it value-based selling. So using more tools and sort of ways of thinking to really generate insight for a client and work with them to be able to deliver before we get right to the top end. Only in complexity and value it's not necessarily one's better than the other, but that's where you're into a more of an enterprise sale. What you're selling is big ticket stuff and has a big, big impact on the organization. The partnering skills veneer, if you like, can be applied all across that continuum. You know, it's a mindset, it's an ethos. And bringing that to the way in which you're operating will only make you a better salesperson.
0: Well, I'm good to interrupt you here just for a second. We need to take a break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. But we'll be right back talking to Fred Copestake and his consulting and training company called Brenda's. Hello there, and welcome back. This is Doris Nagel, and you are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show. We've been chatting with Fred Copestake, calling from England, who's joined me on the show this week to share the story of his consulting, training, and coaching company called Brenda's. And just before the break, we were talking with Fred about the book he's been working on. Uh, which sounds extremely interesting and obviously a very fun and exciting time for his company. Fred, talk a little bit about the book production and how you see that as changing the the direction of your company. You alluded to that earlier, and I, I think it'd be fun to talk about that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think it changes the direction as such in the you know I'm still all about sales performance and we'll deliver it through those you know those different forms of of training coaching consulting like I've said what I think it does do is move move Brindis from just being a me too I would I don't like to describe it like that anyway but at the end of the day it is a consultancy it's made up you know I've got some great guys that I can work with um you know it's very talented consultants I like to try and put myself in that bracket as well. But we're really kind of using a lot of the same tools, same techniques, same models, the things which are out there anyway. And there is some fantastic stuff and (laughs) they make up a large part of the book in that I say, look, this is the stuff that we should be doing. But it's how then to bring this other element of thinking about this, you know, this partnering mentality, this partnering mindset that will give us something different to talk about let's face it a lot of sales like new and shiny things so when they see something a bit new it will at least attract the attention and so we can have product based around what does selling with partnering skills look like you know so a flagship course if you want to think in terms of you know product offering what it does though is that if people think oh that's great i want to add that for my sales team you know the, the perfect reader for me is a is a vp sales or a sales director great i want to add that okay well let's have a think about what you're doing now Oh, we're doing, we're doing consultancy selling. Okay, Consultative selling. Great. Actually, you're not properly. So if we're going to add the veneer, we have to make sure that we've got the foundation right. So right. hopefully it'll lead into more of the projects there where we're sort of giving a good solid foundation and then we can bring this new piece in. So it gives us plenty of things to talk about. You know, as you say, it's sort of exciting in a bit of a different way as well as really looking at the, the the solid stuff that's out there and, and continues to work.
0: There's no question that writing a book and producing a book, while I'm sure a pretty enormous undertaking, bigger probably than you expected, that'd be my guess based on talking to other people. But it's a it still, I think, has a cachet to it. I think people are impressed when they see someone has written a book and it's a lot of fun to talk about.
1: For sure. I mean, I know my mother will be proud for a start, so at least, <laughs> <laughs> at least I've got one fan, <laughs> guaranteed.
0: You've sold, um, one, you've sold at least one copy, right?
1: Yeah, but she said she didn't want it signed because she figures that they might be more valuable in the future because <laughs> oh, all the rest goodness. of the giveaways. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Oh, she's funny. a fan, but she's not so confident. No, no. <laughs> um, you, you're right. You know, people do sort of sit up and take notice and sort of nod and look surprised and and look impressed and quite frankly that is exactly the reaction that that I'm looking for if it if it does its job to spark the conversation then you know even forgetting about the sort of the more modern approach to selling it's done its job as it's getting me into that scenario where I know I can do a good job and you know I go into sales mode the fact that certainly, any,
0: there, it certainly makes conversations very easy to start because it's a unique thing and people usually want to hear about it. And I'm sure that it leads to lots of discussions that you might not otherwise have. Right.
1: That is the plan.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I do know people who've done similar things and they have been successful with it. So it's it's not completely per faith. It is considered it's deliberate and, and it's still going to need, need an element of work. But but that's kind of that's what 2020 is looking like for me anyway.
0: All right. So what's the title of this book for our listeners so that they can look for it on Amazon or other other bookseller sites?
1: Yeah, well, it's not it's not quite there yet um, because the production process itself with the publisher is quite involved. And I never knew this. So I'm learning all the time. (laughs) But the book is called Selling Through Partnering Skills.
0: OK, so folks, it Does what you, it says on
1: the tin. You know, I thought of all lots of funky titles and thought, tell you what, should we just say what it is? The the subtitle is A Modern Approach to Winning Business.
0: I'm sure uh, sometime at some point later this year, it'll be live and people should look for it. That's the title to look for by Fred Kopsting
1: Yeah, I can still talk about it, even though it's not published.
0: <laughs> um, I've been very
1: disciplined in not going off on one. I appreciate this show's only an hour long and not all day
0: (laughs) (laughs) well but it's an exciting development and you know one you should rightfully I think be very proud of so I I would though like to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the business of running a business what for you has been the best part about having your own business
1: ah good question I mean one of the things that people who are looking to set up their own business think is that I'll have no boss. The reality well right. the reality is you get loads more bosses. Essentially. All your clients are now your bosses. They're not just a customer like they might be if you're an employee. Yeah, you know, they are your bosses because you've got to do the stuff to, to satisfy that when you when you're the business owner. So you know, that probably sounds a bit bit, bit kind of negative the best but but that said the answer is is kind of the same as well in that you are your own boss so you can choose it's not a question of turning up to work we don't really believe in the vision and you don't kind of align with some of the things in the way the company operates you've got control over that you know if, if you are doing that and it's your own business and you're an idiot really um <laughs> so you do have your own destiny in your hands and on some days that's absolutely fantastic but you know, let's be fair, some days it's quite daunting, some days it's quite tiring. But on the whole, that would be I'd say the, the best thing. That you are a master of your own your own destiny.
0: So what are some of the biggest roadblocks you've faced over the years as you've run and grown your business?
1: The biggest would have been the because most of my business was into the Corona Academy and you know, looking back at that time, I didn't spend enough time bringing in other clients mm. i was having too much fun you know i was flying I, around the world i, 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 I was selling them. beer i was yeah. going to countries i've not visited the sales teams i was training were, were really good fun because the profile of the sales people they look for it was brilliant that company started to go through some changes where they looked for bigger distributors where they've got their own training centers and so they needed leaned at the academy less it wasn't as valuable for them so that works so we start to run less and then we kind of hit recession time as well. So, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty horrible period, to be fair, where the main client stopped using you. The other one that I worked with was finding a lot less work. And pretty much everyone was clamping down on training anyway. So even if I would got a, a broader portfolio, life would have been difficult. It just happened to be very, very difficult, to be fair.
0: Wow. Well, I think that would have led a lot of people to say, i'm throwing in the towel i'm going back and seeing if someone will hire me how did you how did you get through that how did you what kept you going
1: <laughs> well yes yeah, it's, it's not completely a success story because uh it put me in panic mode you know i'll be i'll be totally honest with that you know and this is the stuff we, we have to face as you know as, as entrepreneurs as people doing their own thing and in panic mode you don't think so clearly i <laughs> kind of
0: true. You, just don't.
1: you know you don't it's kind of the brain gets all fuzzy and I went off in, in the wrong direction. You know, I thought it was a clever decision. Funny enough, it was actually to focus more in on SME. Um, this yeah. is why I can be so clear about it. I know it's not my area. The logic behind it being there's a lot more SMEs. Okay, well, there's loads more people to right. train then.
0: But well, it's a lot easier to get a meeting with the CEO of an SME too. It, it
1: is, and they can make a decision quicker. But right. again, they're all under pressure from recession as well. So training is absolutely off the agenda with them back, back in that time. I'd shifted away from the proposition, you know, the sales proposition that I'm best at doing anyway, into sort of something that I wasn't even as expert in. You know, I'd lost, I'd lost sight of where I'm really good and what I can really do, and so it kind of went off down the wrong direction in panic mode, and you know, had had, had a pretty tough time of it, to be honest. You know, it's and, and and you know, I don't, I don't mind talking about it because it's well, it's real, it's what happened. Well, it
0: happens. <laughs> it, it happens. And it does, you lots and lots of small business people. And and I can tell you very candidly, I made the same mistake you did. I had for a period of about three years, I had a phenomenal client and I was having so much fun. It was exactly the kind of work I wanted to do. And I was having so much fun working in the business, if you will, that I completely forgot to work on the business. And one day they came in and said, you know. We're spending way too much on consultants. We're just gonna cut you all off. That was it. That that was, and all of a sudden, it was gone. And I had not Mm -hmm. spent enough time, just like you, not spent enough time cultivating other relationships, and using that time where I had a great client and a great source of steady income, to really then use that time to build other aspects of my business. So. I'm sure if you made that mistake and I made it, there's lots of people who made the same mistake.
1: Oh, for sure. And, and I, I really learned something interesting at this stage. I lots of stuff. A <laughs> Tough lesson mind, but I, I learned lots of stuff and it's, it's actually to be honest, it's to be open, it's to be authentic. You know, because in panic mode, I went to lots and lots of networking meetings and created myself fake work, as in, oh, I'm doing stuff, I've got my suit on, I'm talking to people about things and, and what have you. And of course, when you're meeting people, how are things? Yeah, it's great. It's brilliant. It's fantastic everyone was great and brilliant and fantastic but I don't think they were I really don't think they were and one day I actually said something you know what it really is hard and he went I'm glad you said that I'm finding it an absolute nightmare and and we start to have this really honest discussion and, and when I started to do that there were some other people that we'd gone on well with and we started talking to them and actually there's a lot of us in the same boat and when we when we start becoming more honest about it and, and talking about it that's when we could do something more constructive. Runs, kind of living this false everything is brilliant kind of I don't know what a mask if you like it's not stuff's tough what can we do about it you know how can we do some real practical things to, to turn ourselves around and to, to sort of do stuff do stuff differently and so yeah that, that's kind of quite a, that was a, a big sort of light bulb moment in that you can waste a lot of time being false but actually just just be honest with stuff and you'll get to where you want to be probably faster uh, and so that's that's kind of a A piece, it's easier said than done, I admit, but it's, um, you know, something I've learned and and now try to to work along those lines far more.
0: (laughs) Well, I think starting a business and running your own business is a very brave thing to do. And I think this is maybe just another aspect of being brave is being being open and honest with people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, pe- people are there to help. You know, most people want to see people do do well. Some people are a bit weird and dis- dislike people being more successful. But but on the whole, you know, the people are there to help. And, and more often than not, you do have you do have the answers. But when you've got that sort of muddied thinking, as I had at that stage, or even if you haven't, it's, it's useful to have people to to help you work through what is the what is the thing that you need to do to to get on top of it which is why i'm such a big fan of coaching i've been on the receiving end of some some excellent coaching from people both formal and and people probably didn't realize they were doing it (laughs) uh you know it starts to clarify things and you know we're we're back on you know we're back on the sort of the the wave if you like so
0: where would you like your business to be in five years
1: turning over more you know more clients more different clients more direct clients I wouldn't say do nothing as associate because I do actually enjoy working with other if it's the right kind of training company and the right kind of people I I do enjoy that because that's where I learn a lot as as a trainer if I'm working with other trainers I'd like to get more tech involved in what I can offer this is this will be playing catch-up you know there's some great stuff out there platforms and even sort of linking it into apps on mobile phones where training can really be embedded very powerfully people are going to mess around on these things anyway let's let's face it <laughs> um so let's go with that and so i'd like to have my own version and platform own thing that i can add into my into my own solutions you know my are you
0: are you talking about things like virtual reality or simulations that sort of thing
1: um no, not not even as advanced as that, just something where people can, you know, we can communicate with people pre-training, there might be elements of e-learning in there, people can put in sort of action plans and sort of have ways in which they're progressing through the things that they've said are going to make a difference themselves, that have come out of the classroom stuff. I want to continue doing classroom stuff, I enjoy it, and I think that for, for my market, you know, with sales they will want to. They need they need to do the face-to-face stuff. It's kind of how they're, they're wired. You can have communities built in there. There's some clever stuff that can just give, you know, the elegant solution I talked about earlier, give it even more oomph, if you like, and the client can get a bigger bang for their bucks. That Fantastic. would be an ideal scenario to sort of have have that in the offer as well.
0: You know, we're almost out of time, Fred. The hour just flew by. Ooh. Wow, Anytime. hasn't it? <laughs> any final words of advice for people particularly in professional services as they start or try to grow their business
1: um cash flow keep an eye on that um again a a lesson hard learned which i'll be honest about you know that's the point of coming on this to to help folk and if i've if i've had some hardships then you know hopefully people won't um it might put put stuff aside you know you're going to get a tax bill uh, what are the three certainties in life life death yeah you know, what's it life death taxes you know make sure you've got the money to pay that because defaulting or just getting behind or giving yourself a problem with that will just knock any kind of plan and all the good stuff and innovation and things that you want to apply you're on the back foot straight away so that is one thing i think is quite is quite important make sure you are doing what you enjoy you know and, and have fun with it. I'd say that to anybody at work. To be fair, you spend more time at work than you do sort of with your family or at home. But you know, when it's your own thing, and and times might get a bit tough and might feel overwhelmed, if it's also something you're not enjoying and it's it's not fun, you know that's going to be that's going to be difficult to ride those to ride those blips. So it it's got to be something that you know people say they're passionate about or fun, or rather than just I'm doing that because it looks like it's really profitable.
0: Or because um, somebody tells you that's a good way to make a living or a good business to have. It'll
1: become pretty tiring pretty quick, I yeah. thought. <laughs> but I love what well, I do, so you know it's, uh, <laughs> it's
0: Well, great. I think I think that shines through. Fred, before we wrap up, how should people reach you if they're interested in learning more about Brindis? Or you.
1: Um oh, that's 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 really really kind of her. So um yeah, LinkedIn. I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Fred Copesteak c-o-p-e-s-t-a-k-e and by the way it's not chopstick cupcake soap plate, cheapskate or anything like that <laughs> um, so there are many fred copesteaks so you, you'll, you'll find me on that company website is www.brindis.co.uk connect with me on those and if it's more about the book and how that looks i have got a website for that as well and i can direct people towards it to to have a look or or talk their ears off about it <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> whatever <their> preference
0: <laughs> fantastic that's our show for this week fred thanks so much for being with us today and joining us all the way from jolly old england
1: oh thank you really enjoyed it
0: as did i and thanks to all of our listeners for listening I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did. To listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show, along with other free information and resources for entrepreneurs, you can go to the Savvy Entrepreneur show page at lakesradio.org, to my consulting website, which is globalocityservices.com, or my law website, which is forsythialaw.com. Be sure to join us next Saturday when our guest will be Ty Rohrer. He manages two nonprofits. That's an interesting form of entrepreneurship, nonprofits that I'm not sure everybody thinks about as entrepreneurship, but I certainly think it takes a, a lot of entre- entrepreneurial skills to be successful at it. He has loads of experience with different nonprofits and lots of words of wisdom for people who are thinking about either donating their time or running, using that as, as, as a, a way to, to make some money for your family. So it'll be a great listen. Be sure not to miss it. And until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneuring.